There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from... Just a few times in your life, you meet a man who stops you in your tracks. His presence fills a room, charismatic but substantive, confident but humble, authoritative but gracious, exuding strength but inviting companionship. He seems to have spent a lifetime at the headwaters, drunk deeply from the sources of masculinity. The more you learn of him, the more there seems to be. His character calls you to follow him. His success speaks well of him. His family reflects the quality of his leadership. This is the kind of guy you want to have breakfast with. Take fishing, get to know, learn from, emulate. This is Preach the Word with Dean Carmichael Jr. May I, though as he wash all my sins away, wash all my sins away, wash all my sins away, and there may I, though as he Wash all my sins away. Welcome to Preach the Word with Brother Dean Carmichael of Greensboro. And now let's welcome our dear friend, Brother Dean. All right, friends, welcome back to another edition of Preach the Word with Dean Carmichael, Jr. Those opening remarks were, was a direct quote from the book Tender Warrior, written by Stu Weber. And we continue our study in the book of Genesis, and we're looking at a man by the name of Abraham. Of course, in these chapters, he is still called Abram, and God will soon change his name. But I found that quote to be very fitting of the man that Abraham was. Abraham left behind a legacy. And in chapter number 12, we saw the call of Abraham, how God called him out of a land of idolatry, how the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and he went out not knowing whither he went. Here's a man that took a 400-mile journey, not even knowing the exact destination. He had confidence. He had trust. He was bold in his actions to follow and put faith in his God. In the last 10 verses of chapter number 12, however, we see how Abraham got his eyes off God. He continued to go southward to continue his journey. After pitching his tent, after building an altar to the Lord, he continues to journey, and when there is a famine in the land, he goes down into Egypt. And when he comes into Egypt, we see deceit. We see lying. We see a plague. We see his testimony is hurt. And now, what Abraham does in chapter number 13, he decides to go back to this place where he surrendered to God. Uh, this place where 
God had confirmed him, and he builds this altar. He goes back to a place where his heart was in fellowship with God. Last message, we looked at the call of Abraham. Now we will look at the choice of Abraham. I found that quote in Stu Weber's book fitting for what we're doing. In that particular chapter, Stu Weber is writing about something called staying power. And he even gives an illustration of the life of Job and how Job uh, was known for his patience. But he talked about how Job had something called staying power. And I would highly recommend this book for, for anyone. Uh, Stu Weber, Tender Warrior. He talks about how men were vanishing. And this book was written, I believe, in the, the, the 90s. He was talking about at that time how men were vanishing. Men were leaving. We still see this today. Uh, problems come up. The man gets up and leaves. A promotion comes up. So the man, and, and this also speaks of women as well, but the person leaves their job just because a, a, a better job comes around. The housing market goes up. So what happens? We disappear. We vanish because we're chasing after money. And this staying power is talking about how a, a man, how a person will plant their feet firmly uh, when God has led them somewhere, when God has given them something, they plant their feet firmly. And he's talking about men who have staying power, men who are those protectors, those providers, who are always around, even in the hard times. Their wife, their, their children see not only how they handle the good times, but also how they handle their failures. This staying power, of course, is needed in our homes today. And let me tell you, it's not so much staying in one place. Today, we're relating it to Abraham because we need to stay in the will of God. And what happened when Abraham got out of the will of God, what does he do? He goes back to the place where he was before he rebelled from God, before he got out of fellowship, before he backslid. Where was he? And he goes right back to that place. Genesis chapter 13, let's open up by reading the first four verses. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hea unto the place of the altar, which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. This is when he returns, where he pitched his tent, where he built that altar there. And Abraham, he had relied on his flesh. He left for Egypt during a famine. Now he's coming back. He now is It is worthy to note that uh, he is now coming back with two things, though. We, we need to understand this before we go on in the story. For one, he's coming back from Egypt with riches. We're going to find that out very shortly. Him and his nephew Lot, they have riches. They have been blessed. There's a lot of wealth. But with that comes a lot of problems. He also comes back, and, and this is for later on, but we know from other passages that he returns 
from Egypt with Hagar, which would be, in future, of course, this is Sarah's handmaid, but also this is, this is Ishmael's mother. So that's very important to note uh, for, for future studies. So we look here at the choice of Abraham, Abraham's choice. In the first four verses, we see his return. And as we mentioned earlier, in the previous chapter, he's backslidden. He continues south. After he pitches his tent, after he builds the altar, he leaves. He continues. God did not tell him to leave. He goes to Egypt. God did not command him to go to Egypt. He's not obeying God. He is backslidden. This was not of God. This was not God's will for him. But he goes anyway, and he ends up hurting his testimony. Uh, there's a plague in the house of Pharaoh. We know the story. If you go back and listen to the previous message, how Abram tells his wife to lie, that she is his sister, and nothing good comes out of that. So now, this is very important, in verse number 3 and 4, he returns to the place where he was last in fellowship with God. In the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing the theme regarding the order in the church. And while he is addressing division and contentions which arose in this church at Corinth, he's writing to believers. He's writing to the body of Christ. There's three types of people in our, our church age. There's the natural man, that's the lost man. There's the spiritual man, but then there's the carnal man, that's the Christian, who's out of God's will. But there's a remedy for these carnal Christians. And Paul points to this in the book of 1 Corinthians, because that's who he's writing to. He's writing to the carnal Christian. And the remedy there is one thing, and that is the lordship of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9, God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. That is the remedy of everything. Notice what the prodigal son does in Luke chapter 15, verse 17 through 19. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no, worthy, and no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. He goes back to the place where he was before he left. For you listening right now, are you backslidden? You know you're saved, but you are not where you're supposed to be in your Christian walk. Do you know what you need to do? You may say, well, I need to get back in church. I need to quit this. I need to quit that. I need to stop doing this, this awful habit that I've, that I've uh, started after I got saved and became backslidden. What you need to do is to go back exactly where you were before you were backslidden. That is the place of surrender. That is the, the, the place where Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. You have backslidden. You have let idolatry creep in. You have put other things over the Lord. You have put yourself over the Lord. These, these, these bad habits aren't necessarily uh, the disease they're just symptoms of the disease, which is backsliding and letting other things getting over Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. Letting other things, taking your eyes off Jesus and putting your eyes on the world. 
only only reading your Bible if you feel like it. Only going to church if you feel like it. Really, you're just serving the Lord when it's convenient for you. That is not where Jesus Christ is supposed to be. What you need to do, friends, you need to go back to that place of surrender. You need to, to, to as the Bible says, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is always a way back to the altar. Remember that. A place of surrender. This is what happened with, with Samson. Judges chapter 16, verse 28. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee. Only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. God is always there, friend. Just like the father in the story of the prodigal son. There is a way back. If we are, if if we will just simply repent and return to the Father, He will be there waiting for us, and that is exactly what Abraham did. He knew he was backslidden. He knew he was wrong. He knew he never should have left for Egypt, and he goes back to that place of surrender, and he goes back to where he had first built that altar to the Lord. In verse 5 through 7, there's a brief interlude, and I'm um, reading here. In verse 5 through 7, we we see what happens uh, when Abraham and Lot return from Egypt. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them, and they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite, the Perizzite, dwelled then in the land. Abram and Lot returned wealthy men. The land was not big enough to contain them. There was strife between their herdsmen. We're going to see as this story progresses that there are now repercussions from Abraham's backsliding. The first time he, he comes to this land, there's no fighting mentioned. Remember that. Now that they have left Egypt and that they've returned wealthy, they can't get along. Funny, isn't it, how that works? There's, there's, no, there's no strife before that. Now that they've come back rich, now that they've come back wealthy, all of a sudden there's a lot of strife. There's a lot of envying going on. It's very important that we understand that. We give Lot a very hard time, and don't, don't get me wrong here, Lot... He disobeyed God, and we're going to find out later on what Lot does. But let's not forget, our choices have consequences. Abram made the decision to go down to Egypt without being commanded by God to do so. Abraham made the decision to have his wife lie. They made the decision to be dishonest and have and use trickery and deceit. And there was a lot of bad that came from that. Now they've returned wealthy, and they have all these riches. Abram, Abraham, he's ready to come back to God. He wants to rededicate his life to God. But what about Lot? Lot left Egypt with Abram. But is he going to restore his fellowship with God also? Let's look and find out. Look at verse number 8. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between mine herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? 
Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes, and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zor. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward. First of all, we see Abram's return. Secondly, we see his refocus. He realized he was the cause of all this. So he's going to let Lot choose. And in verse number 10, it's very important. Bible says, And Lot lifted up his eyes, beheld all the plain of Jordan. When we look back on this story, there is no mention of Lot having an altar like Abraham did. He chooses Sodom for personal reasons. Remember, Abram leaves Egypt completely. Not just the land, but he, he left that backslid in nature. He left, he left that and came back to the altar to restore his fellowship with God. Lot did not. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 6-8, the Bible tells us, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them as an example unto those that after should live ungodly, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Lot was a righteous man. Remember this, by faith he also left that land of sin. He also left that land of idolatry to go to a place of he left with Abraham to go to a place where God was leading, not knowing where that was. Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, curse them that curseth thee, and thou shalt all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed, as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with them. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. Hebrews 11.8, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. Friends, Lot left with Abraham. He left the land of sin, put his faith in God, followed after Abraham. The only problem, when he left for Egypt backslidden, Abraham returned to the altar, Lot continues searching for what he left in Egypt. Look at verse number 10 there. It says, like the land of Egypt. Abraham wanted to return to the fellowship with God. 
Lot wanted to go back to a land like Egypt. The land that made him rich. The land that made him wealthy. The land that they left for because there was a famine. And there's now a contrast between these two men, known as righteous men. One is consecrated, the other one is not. One is devoted to God. One wants to restore fellowship with God. The other one does not. The other one continues to chase after that backslidden nature and please his flesh. And that's exactly what Lot does. And look, if you would, in verse number 14. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward. Now he can refocus. Now he can shift back to obeying God. Notice something here. Lot lifted up his eyes. The backslidden Christian. What, what does a backslidden Christian do? They lift up their eyes. They open their own doors. They do what they want. They put their focus on man. They follow trends. God tells Abram, lift up now thine eyes. That's the difference here. That's the difference between the backslidden Christian and the consecrated Christian. One lifts up his own eyes. The other one lifts up their eyes when God tells them to. There's a refocus here. Let God open your doors. Let God close your doors. Don't worry about the person next to you. Don't worry about the trend set by man. Don't worry about what the group, what the crowd is doing. Let God take control of your life. Let God open doors. Let God lead you and guide you and speak to you. Don't, don't do that on your own. So we see here Abraham's refocus. And then last of all, we see Abraham's response. Look if you would in verse number 15 through 18. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it, and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Then Abram removed his tent, and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. We see Abram's response. John Phillips says, Abram moves where ordered by the Lord, and he moved on in obedience to the known and revealed will of God for his life. Truly a spiritual man. A truly spiritual man. That's what John Phillips said there. Let's look at Luke chapter 12, verse 16 through 22. This is a parable that Jesus speaks here, and we want to read this by way of conclusion. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thou, thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be, 
which thou hast provided. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God? And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, neither for the body what ye shall put on. Jesus called this man a fool. Now, what do we know about this man? Just from the outward. He was, well, obviously he was a good man. He was a good neighbor, a law-abiding citizen, I'm sure, a family man. Uh, the list goes on and on. Except Jesus called him a fool. Why is that? Because he was a covetous man. He lived for himself. What did he say? Eat, drink, and be merry. Here's a man who lived for himself. He laid up treasure on earth for himself. He had his eyes on who? Himself. To covet means to desire that which is unlawful to obtain or possess, excessively eager to obtain and possess. That's Webster's definition. And then David Cloud says, to be dissatisfied with one's lot, to be greedy, covetousness is to desire that which is not my own or that which is forbidden. That is David Cloud's way of life encyclopedia of the Bible and Christianity. Let's tie this all together here. Let's let's tie all this together. Let's talk about this this staying power that I'm referring to. This is not just a person who stays in one place, somebody who doesn't like change or complacent. I'm not referring to that. I'm talking about a child of God who firmly plants their feet on that solid foundation, stays in that submissive mindset. Their heart stays surrender to the Lord. If God says to stay where you're at, you stay where you're at. God says to go on the other side of the world, become a missionary, that's exactly what you do. That staying power, being there for your family, being there for your children, being there for the community, all the while you're completely surrendered to God. He is exactly where He's supposed to be in your life. He is the Lord of your life. You're totally surrendered to Him. He tells you to stay, you stay. He tells you to go, you go. You're firmly planted in His will. Here we have Abraham, a man who made a choice. That choice was to return to his fellowship with God. And now, God is telling him to lift up his eyes and to go. Now, he's responding to God. But before he could respond, he had to refocus. And before he could refocus, he had to return. Until next time, may the Lord bless you. Thank you for listening to Preach the Word with Brother Dean Carmichael from Greensboro. You can email Brother Dean, Preach the Word 87 at Outlook.com. Preach the Word 87 at Outlook.com. You also can follow our dear friend Brother Dean Carmichael on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash Dean Carmichael Jr. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow.